You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. exclusively here on Internet Radio Station octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show in the future as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to the program live during our broadcast time. And we'll tell you why here shortly. You get an added bonus if you're listening live. This show is brought to you by Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better decisions. Critical Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. Renaissance Executive Forums brings together the top executives from non-competing companies into an advisory board process through which thousands of leaders gain fresh ideas and new insights. If you're interested in learning more about Renaissance Executive Forums process, visit their website, www.executiveforums.com. If you're tuned into the program today to hear our interview with Gary Master, partner with his firm, hold on. He'll be with us in about 25 minutes. If you're listening to the program live today, the added bonus that you get is that you might be able to participate in the conversation. How do you do that, you ask? Simply, I say, find the community chat room section of octalkradio.net's website, this will allow you to log in using your Twitter handle. You will then be connected to our nerve center. Today, our producer is Paul Roberts. You'll be communicating directly with Mr. Roberts. He will bring any of your thoughts and ideas onto the screen, onto the other side of the glass here into the broadcast booth, and possibly we can work it into either our second interview with Gary or my first interview today with Heather Chandler. Heather is president of Seal Strip got a number of questions that I want to ask her about her firm, so let's bring her on to the program. Heather, welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, let's begin the interview by asking, as president of your firm, can you explain to our audience, for those who might not know Seal Strip, what it is that your firm does, and also, maybe even more importantly, what makes your firm different from others in your space who claim that they can do what you do? Well, Seal Strip specializes in resealable packaging, and most of our products are easy open and resealable packaging, and most of our products are on consumer products such as um, Fortune 100 companies, such as Fresh Express Salad, Pillsbury, Frozen Biscuits, things like that. Um, Pepperidge Farm Deli Flats, which are thin bread products, and we make the resealable package. So when you roll down the bag and stick the tape over the top of the bag to reclose it, that's us. When you pull a little tape tab to open the package, that's us. So we make packages easier to open and easier to reclose. The thing that makes us different from other ways to reclose a package is that we guarantee the manufacturers, being the Fortune 100 companies, that we will not reduce their manufacturing speed. So we're the most cost-effective and most manufacturing-efficient package on the market, 
plus we're the easiest to use. So those tracks that you can't line up or that when you're trying to open the package and the package tears apart and then you can't reuse the package after all, that doesn't happen with our features because they're all adhesive-based and you just roll the package down and stick the tape over the top of the bag or you just press the flaps back together. And because it's an adhesive-based system, it just sticks back together. You don't have those tracks to line up and press together and make sure it's stuck back together. So when you go back into your fridge, you don't have that hard block of keys that's all you know, molding on the edge and you can't use after you thought it was pressed back together properly. So it's the most manufacturing efficient as well as the most effective reclosure. That was an outstanding example of understanding from a leader's point of view your product differentiation in the eyes of your client. And I suspect, Heather, you got a little sales and marketing experience in your background in addition to being the president of your firm. Is that true? I did indeed work come up through sales. That's my my first passion. <laughs> How did you get involved with SealStrip? Um, it is actually a family business. When I graduated from college, I thought I wanted to spend my life in nonprofit administration. And I said, you know, I said, actually said to my parents, you know, I'm going to take a month or two off and just kind of check out the world. And uh, they were like, well, who's going to pay your rent? And I was like, well, I've been in college. You've been, like, handling things. I'm just going to take a month or two off, and that's okay, right? And they're like, okay, we'll see you at the office on Monday. Wow. So there was no month or two off figuring out what was going to happen in life. It was, we'll see you at the office on Monday. And uh, I did a few interviews other places, but then I very quickly came to find that um, the business world had so many challenges that I really enjoyed. And I really began to love sales and found out that was something I was really into. And, of course, having been, it been a family business, I was familiar with the product and enjoyed it and just really, um, like I said, got into the sales side of things. And after the thrill of having a few big sales and getting into the product and then having the leadership opportunity um, as sales manager, really getting into then developing people, I went back for my MBA and my law degree at night and then having finished both of those, I was like, well, geez, I really don't want to be anywhere else. There's nowhere else I want to be but here. So you have an undergraduate degree, an MBA, and a Juris Doctorate? Yes. Are you done? Or is there another <laughs> degree you're going to pursue? No, I'm not, actually. I would love to get, um, like, a Ph.D. in organizational uh, leadership or in uh, psychology, something like that. But I have two young children, so I think um, for their best interest, I'll wait till they're uh, at least in the tween stage before I go for that PhD. <laughs> well, that was great. Thank you. That was a it was a lot in there, and you never quite know when you're. You know, we do some level of background research on our guests, but you exceeded uh, our my research team. I have to I have to put them on double duty now to get ready for our next guest. <laughs> As the leader of your firm, you're the president, can you talk to us about your belief system as it relates to running the business and growing it? Here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast, we refer to it as your guiding principle. Um, I think, well, my guiding principle, I think, mainly is that um, a, lot of, a lot of companies say they're customer-focused, and I think overall, in order for a, a company to be customer-focused, the leader needs to be employee-focused. Because if the although I came up through sales and had a very strong customer focus when I was in sales, I feel my number one job is to make SealStrip a great place to work. Because if SealStrip is a great place to work, then all of the employees will want to 
do well for our customers and be customer focused. If I put customers first, then the employees sort of feel out in the cold. My job is to put employees first so that then they'll want to put customers first. That is excellent, and it remains, reminds me of Herb Kelleher, who I saw on one of these programs years ago talking about his philosophy, and, and he, part of what he said was how important it was to put his employees first, um, and that he, he thought it was, well, and customers were important, and I'm paraphrasing what I remember from the conversation, but it was very much in line with what you're talking about, which is the leader needs to so that was that's great yeah and I think probably secondarily um, I feel as though you know I talk a lot at work about the benefit of the doubt and giving each other the benefit of the doubt and when people make mistakes um, I always say you know nobody gets up in the morning saying you know what I'm gonna go to work and screw up today and when somebody makes a mistake it's generally for three reasons it's either because they didn't have all the information meaning they weren't trained right they're either not or they're not capable of doing the job, or they had something else on their mind, which means they either have something going on in their personal life or something's bothering them about work, like an interpersonal relationship or something like that. And so as leaders, it's our job, all three of those are our job to figure out which of those is going on and help them take corrective action to figure out whether we need to better train them, whether they need to be in a different seat on the bus, or help resolve whatever else is on their mind. So when people make mistakes, it's not just because, you know, they're an idiot. <laughs> Everybody wants to be successful in life. And I think too many people take the tact of, you know, oh, you know, there they go, screwing up again. But nobody wakes up in the morning going, you know what, I really want to screw up today. Everyone wants to be successful. And a leader's job is to help everyone be successful, to be the best person they can be. Heather, you've never met my producer, Paul Roberts. Thank you for figuring out what I was saying, so I didn't have to say it since he's listening to every word sitting on the other side of the screen here. But he did remind me that I should let the audience know, for those who may not be aware, that Herb Kelleher was one of the founding, um, well, one of the founders behind Southwest Airlines and for years ran the organization through its fast growth and kind of built the brand that is so much associated with Southwest Airlines. We're going to take a short sponsorship timeout. When I come back, Heather, I, I'm going to ask you about a current challenge. Assuming Silstrip may have one challenge, you know, that you'd like to share with our audience here today. Talk about the challenge and also what you and your management team are doing to mitigate that challenge. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. Heather Chandler, president of Silstrip, will be back with us to answer that question and a few more that I have here for her today on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. But first, Let's spend a short time out with a couple of our sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? 
take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Math for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This show is one of three in the Critical Mass radio show series. On Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m., West all times are West Coast times, at 4 p.m., uh, we do a show focused on Southern California business leaders, entrepreneurs, family business owners, etc. And on that show, we talk about many subjects affecting their business and what they're doing to grow their business. On Wednesdays at 4 p.m., I host a show by the name of Critical Mass Nonprofit Radio Show. And in that show, I focus on worthy nonprofit organizations interviewing their executive directors, board members, and talking about their mission, vision, and service model for the delivering the service that they provide to the people who need it in their community. And then here on Thursdays at 3 p.m., we do our nationally syndicated Critical Mass Coast to Coast, which is the program that you're listening to now, either live or possibly in the future, off of Apple iTunes or one of our other podcasting services that we use. All programs air live exclusively on Internet radio station www.octalkradio.net. Okay, let's return to our guest, our first guest today on the program, Heather Chandler, President of Seal Strip, I said we were going to ask you to talk about a challenge facing the firm. Could you share one with our audience, please, Heather? Um, I would say probably our biggest challenge this year is um, coming off of a couple challenging years um, in economic downturn is that this year we're experiencing about 50% uh, growth. And in a manufacturing company, that's just enormous. Um, and that's really putting a lot of a lot of tax on our um, people and on our infrastructure and um, that sort of thing. So I think that's probably our biggest challenge we're facing right now is a is really a fifty percent uh, growth this year. You which say is you're a good problem. You're... It's kind of like when you interview somebody and they you ask them for what's their biggest challenge and they turn it around and say, you know, I'm just so detail oriented. <laughs> right. I'm a perfectionist. Yes. Uh... People have told me, stop being so perfect. Right. <laughs> uh, well, I, I appreciate what you're saying, though, having um, 
ran a manufacturing company for a period of time and also working with quite a number of manufacturing companies. Uh, growth can be a challenge, and you can actually lose money through growth if you're, if you're not properly prepared for it. So yeah, I mean, eating up us- the cash, um, being really you know, strapped cash-wise, um, having to watch inventory um, is huge on, in a manufacturing company, um, and have, how much cash inventory sucks up, and then having to watch your cash on the street with accounts receivable as you're getting large customers, and they're coming online. Um, and because a lot of our customers are Fortune 100 companies, they're, you know, they're not the kind of companies who, you know, like to prepay for things. They seem to feel that, well, you know, we're, we're General Mills. What do you mean you want 50% deposit? Um, you know, those sort of things. Um, so there's a lot of cash challenges, um, inventory challenges, uh, challenges with uh, asking, continuing to ask a lot of suppliers when you're a small company like we are and you're working with larger suppliers. And when you're growing, you need more and more favors. And, you know, your, your customer 57 on their top customer list and you're continuing to ask over and over and over again for crazy deliveries and those sort of things. So, you know, it just seems like every day there's, you know, a new demand that needs to be met to keep up with the growth. What is driving the growth, Heather? Um, Well, I think the, um, at least in our space, I think the economy is doing pretty well. I think that for a long time, um, the large consumer packaged goods market um, was holding on to their cash. And I think that in 2012, a lot of them have been making some decisions on products that they didn't make decisions on on projects in 2011. So there, in 2011, we had a lot of um, projects that were like sort of on hold where they'd come to us for tests and for trials and things like that. And then in 2012, they've gone ahead and moved on them. Um, we actually are having a lot more international business as well um, in emerging markets in places like the Middle East, and um, so there's, there's emerging markets that are really starting to, to move ahead. Um, so it's really just a culmination of several things. May I ask, how many employees do you have at Seal Strip? About 50. Okay, and so um, have you been able to accept this increase in revenue without having to add, or have you also had to go out and bring on people within the firm? Um, Well, one of the challenges we've had is that we've had to add a second shift in our um, materials production side of the business. And we've, um, historically, we've always been very, very hesitant to add people because we never know if you know, an upturn in business is temporary if we just happen to have customers ordering all at once kind of thing. And because we're so family-oriented and um, are so involved in um, making it a great place to work, the impact on morale of hiring people and then laying them off is so detrimental. What we do is we tend to hire temp, not temp workers from like temp agencies, but we have people come in and we have them, you know, we kind of call them, you know, just temper helpers sort of thing. And we have, you know, a friend of an employee or, you know, somebody's son or daughter or something like somebody home from college, that sort of thing. And so we've actually spent the last several months filling our entire second 
just having our current workforce have helpers come in, and it's been just amazing. Our HR department, as well as our current workforce, has basically just been a patchwork of um, temporary workers just completely filling in at all different levels because we haven't wanted to really count on this upturn in business long term because we haven't wanted to take a chance that it's not permanent. Um, and so that's really been a huge challenge is um, deciding what jobs we're going to make permanent new jobs and what jobs are going to be are just going to remain temporary and we're just going to fill in until we see you know what jobs we really need to fill permanently. Well, that, that is a thoughtful answer to um, my question because your experience. I echo with other companies who I work with here in Southern California, small uh, businesses, manufa- mid-sized manufacturing companies, et cetera. The hiring of people is a very complex uh, decision and um, requires kind of proven track record of sustainable growth where you really can feel comfortable about bringing on people on a more regular rather than part-time and temporary basis. Yeah, it is certainly, like I said, it is very impactful to morale when you hire people and let them go, or hiring the wrong people can have such an impact on your culture. And so, um, like I said, we found that especially it's great when you're busy in the summer because there's lots of families that have kids home from college and, you know, friends of friends and things like that that we've been able to fill in with. And it's been, you know, quite um, quite lucky in that way that we've been able to fill that gap or that need um, over this summer with that with that extra help. Are your parents still involved in the business? Um, well, ironically, um, they were less involved over the last couple of years, but they're both very heavily involved in product development because that's really um, – my stepfather is actually the founder of our company, and he's invented most of the products that we sell. And okay. my – mother's involved in product development as well and she's invented one of our major products um the product that we sell the most volume of she invented as well as she's involved kind of on the marketing side of product development and we're launching a new product in the fall that's really exciting and they're both very heavily involved in this new product launch so they've actually gone from working part-time to working almost more than full-time right now um but they're extremely involved in the product development side of things so although they're involved from an owner perspective they're really that's really the minimal amount of their involvement with their business so it's kind of gone from when i started where i worked for them it's really kind of a gone to the point now where they work for me and that they work in product development and I run the organization. It sounds like um, the three of you have figured out a successful transition strategy and it continues to support the growth of the business. What's the future look like for Seal Strip? Well, it's exciting. You know, that old, uh, that great song, The Future So Bright I Have to Wear Shades, I, I rate that usually at least uh, once every couple, couple months in our company newsletter. <laughs> it's, um, it's a, I love, you know, and I tell people all the time that if, um, if they don't love their job at Seal Strip, they should definitely be working somewhere else because I love my job, so if they don't love theirs, we definitely don't want them to be part of the company because it's a great place to work and it's really fun, and so if they're not, into it if they're not part of, you know, that great, great thing that we all enjoy that, you know, they must, it just not be the right fit for them. The future is definitely much more international business. Um, 
we've got some expansion in Egypt, great number, a quite a large customer in Egypt this year that also looks like they'll be expanding further, interestingly, into um, other parts of the Middle East this year, um, as well as some additional South America, hopefully expansion over the next year, and continuing the transition in our family um, and just continuing to grow. It's, um, it's a great product. It's really extra, um, you know, when you think about products where resealable products, we have to line up the tracks. It's not as friendly for um, seniors, which is a larger percent of our population every day. So when you have easier, easy open and resealable products, it's really much more um, conducive to our aging population. So I think that as um, our population demands more convenient packaging, I think that our products will become even more necessary part of our our culture as a whole. I have to ask you, how are you securing this international business? Well, actually, that's kind of really interesting. It turns out that um, there's a lot of multinational, there's a lot of global companies that have, um, they may be sort of, that tend to be um, sort of diversified internationally. So they may be a company that you're familiar with here in the U.S., and then they have locations or sort of wholly owned subsidiaries all around the world. So what they'll do is they'll become, you know, they'll be interested in our product here, and even if they don't end up using our product here, they'll put out our information to their wholly owned subsidiaries in other locations around the world. So um, in Egypt, for example, the, um, the product that we're on is from the largest snack food manufacturer in the U.S. It happens to be their wholly owned subsidiary in Egypt. They aren't using our product here in the U.S., but after they became familiar with our product, they put all of our information out to all of their subsidiaries all around the world. And because it's a lot less, um, I guess I'll say, bureaucracy or a lot less um, channels, a lot less, you know, a lot less to go through to launch a product in other countries um, as far as, levels of management and you know in the u.s there's marketing there's packaging there's engineering there's manufacturing you know there's so much to it getting Mm -hmm. a product launch or a packaging change made and in a lot of other countries the the amount of people involved and the departments involved in something in a packaging change isn't nearly as great so um and surprisingly, the volumes are still pretty pretty decent. So what can happen is a, a very large global company can put out your information to all different their subsidiaries all over the world, and then they can contact us and say, hey, we're, you know, with this multinational company, but we're in this country or that country, and then we can launch with them. I always look for teachable moments here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast, and you just helped other businesses, manufacturers, or others who are selling to multinationals to learn how to maybe work through them to their foreign subsidiaries. If someone would like to learn more about SealStrip, you, the history of the firm, what's your website? Our website is www.sealstrip, S-E-A-L-S-T-R-I-P, dot com. And it's a fantastic website, if I do say so myself, because I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Um, And there's a lot about our products, the way they work. There's bios on our management team. And most importantly, um, there's our values 
on there, and I always direct people to that page, and it has our six value statements on there about how um, how our companies run and how we ask our employees to align themselves with our company values. I know that was one of the things that Ken Wax, the Renaissance Executive Forum's business leader in Philadelphia, mentioned to me that he was impressed with is how you have that um, posted in your lobby and, and, and you live those principles as well. So uh, he, it, was, it caught his attention as well. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad it's to hear you Yeah, it's posted in every that. room of our building. Great. Well, I want to thank you for being a, a, a prepared guest with a lot of good information, a friend of the program, and a part of our Renaissance Executive Forum's business community here in the U.S. Happy to be. And we'll have you back on the show sometime in the future after you've secured your Ph.D., Heather, so you can tell it. We'll call you a doctor at that point, and you can tell us what that experience was like as well. That would be wonderful. Thanks so much, Rick. Continued growth and success. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was our first guest, ladies and gentlemen. Quite an inspirational story and nice to know a successful passing of a family business from one generation to the next. Um, our, one of our sponsors, Succession Strategies, works with family-owned businesses here, and not just family-owned businesses, but businesses here in Orange County, Southern California, helping them also successfully na- navigate that transition. We're getting set up now here at the station for our second guest, Gary Masters. Gary is partner with Eisen Amper, LLP, and we're going to be talking to him about a lot of uh, topics, and uh, we're going to be right back after we take a moment away with a couple of our sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com. Or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's succession-strategies.com. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch, too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank. 
and they'll handle the rest. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you've not seen an episode of Critical Mass TV show, please go to our website, Critical Mass, M-A-S-S, for F-O-R, business.com, where you'll find a link to our show archives, and it's in our media division section of the website. This program features business leaders talking about their businesses with transferable ideas and information that you might be able to use. They're tight five to seven minute video so episodes, and they're available, as I said, off of our website, as well as on our YouTube channel, on our podcasting site, just about anywhere, but you can definitely find them in our new media, media division. You're listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we're now going to turn our attention to our second and final guest here on the program today, Gary Master, who is partner with Eisner Amper, LLP. Gary, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about your firm. Tell us what it is you do and how you do it differently than others in your space. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Eisner Amper. We're really a leading full-service accounting and advisory firm, uh, and we're among one of the largest in the United States, depending on who merged today, probably somewhere around the 14th or 15th largest firm in the country. And we provide audit and accounting and tax services, as well as corporate finance, internal audit and risk management, litigation consulting, Um, employee benefit plans and forensic accounting and other professional advisory services to really a broad range of clients across many, many different industries. My position with the firm is that of the co-chair of the Real Estate and Construction Services Group. So as you might expect, um, most of my clients are residential home builders, commercial contractors and building owners and operators, retail operators, you know, guys that own apartment buildings, and so on and so forth. Basically, real property trades or businesses. So, I'm sorry, sorry, Gary. Go ahead. I was just thinking, with that clientele, you must have experienced some interesting times over the past three or four years with the recession. Yes, the last three or four years have been very challenging in all of those real property trades uh, and practices. Uh, Certainly, the residential home building business across the country uh, has been somewhat decimated, Uh, but we're seeing recovery in some of the areas, and we're optimistic that uh, we're past the the worst part of that. I agree, but we're not back to where we used to be, and it still doesn't feel like we're out of the woods, does it? No, I don't think so. I think we still have a lot of challenges in this industry. uh, and we'll we'll get through them. I mean, we're resourceful as uh, as a uh, country, and I think we'll be able to all come together and get this thing worked out. So your firm, you feel's position maybe as the 14th largest in the U.S. That that comes with its own set of opportunities and and challenges. Um, what has been, from your perspective, a contributing reason for the firm's success? and ability to achieve that level of distinction in your industry? Well, I think what we've done, Rick, more than anything else, is that we practice in particular specialties or in silos, if you will. We have many different industries that we serve, but the people who serve those clientele have expertise in those industries. We try 
to find out early in an accountant's career here with the firm what interests them the most. And then we give them the education and experience so that they can become an expert in that industry. It's that, it's that kind of expertise is what brings value to the clients and what attracts the clients to our firm. How long have you been in professional accounting yourself? I've been in accounting. This is my 34th year. Okay, so, many, so you have years. seen some changes in your industry, haven't you? Well, we certainly have. I mean, the, the industry is much more regulated, as I'm sure you see in many industries today. Uh, there's many more governing bodies that, uh, that oversee the work that is done by uh, accounting firms throughout the country, especially those that practice in the SEC world, which we do. Uh, and we are uh, what's called a PCAOB, registered firm, and we work for over 150 um, public companies as well as 1,300 private equity and hedge fund clients. So it sounds like you have a very diverse, wide, uh, you're in silos, you're in specific industries, you have deep expertise in those industries, and you have, it sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong, Gary, but uh, a wide spectrum of type, size of clients within those industries as well? Yes, we do, absolutely. Uh, the size of the clients range from uh, some very small clients to what we would typically say is the middle market, which is usually between, say, $10 million and $100 million, as well as companies well in excess of several hundred million dollars in revenue. And, 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 you know, those are very different types of businesses based on you're seeing their books. I mean, you're understanding the financial capabilities and, and strength of their – but they're very different uh, companies to be able to work with and to support. I'm sure you've you've seen that in your professional track work at your well, firm as well. They are. They have you know they have different issues. Smaller companies tend to regard their CPA firm as their kind of trusted advisor. We have to do a lot more consulting with the smaller companies because they don't have enough personnel in them to provide a, a, raw, a wide range of disciplines to help them run their businesses. So they may not be large enough to have an HR professional that, you know, one of the, you know, assistants or one of the secretaries handles that function or a bookkeeper handles that function. So we have to stay a little bit closer to the smaller businesses because there's a much more consultative requirement in servicing the needs of those companies. By contrast, those companies that are much larger tend to have the wherewithal to provide some of that expertise in-house. <clears throat> and what we do is a lot more strategic planning with those kinds of companies. Where do they want to be two years, four years, five years, ten years down the road? How do we get there? Do we have the right infrastructure? What are the things that are going to get this company to the next level? Is there an exit strategy? It's a very holistic approach. Bigger companies require much more planning and much more projected pathways to success. Very difficult, as you know. The bigger the ship, the bigger the, bigger the rudder. That's really what, what we've got here. My experience echoes that very closely in the sense that, because I advise companies here in Southern California, the, usually the CEO, president, and at some point, companies get large enough to realize, regardless of the industry they're in, that the accounting function is not a tactical, it shouldn't be a tactical operation. It has the ability and actually needs to be a strategic function within their company. 
as they grow and mature, it takes them a while to move away from a bookkeeper to a CPA to a controller to a maybe a CFO to get to that level. And having outside talent that can fill those gaps can really help them navigate that growth curve from what it sounds like in talking to you as well. Absolutely. And, and it's critical that they recognize when those, when those bumps happen. You know, we call it a relevant range that within a certain relevant range of sales and activity, you can run your organization a certain way. Once you cross that threshold, now you're into a new ballgame. We're going to take a short time out, uh, our last sponsorship break here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. When we come back, I'm going to ask you uh, if you could share with us, in addition to everything that we've talked about, sort of, sort of a challenge that's facing your, your department, maybe the firm, and what What's being done about it to mitigate the challenge from affecting the future growth and and viability, et cetera, of your firm? So hold on to that thought. We'll be back with Gary Master. But first, we're going to just spend a short time out with a couple of our valued sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Gary Masters is our guest. So, Gary, is there a challenge that you could share with our audience and what you're doing about it? Yeah, there's a couple of challenges. Uh, One is on the service side of business in today's environment. And that one is that things are not always what they seem on the surface. And what I mean by that is as close as you are to your clients, the economic struggles of the past few years um, have made management maybe do some things that they wouldn't have done in the past, that sometimes they're struggling to show a profit. Maybe there's a covenant in their loan agreement, something that requires a client to maybe try to make things seem better than they are. And so even though you are a close, trusted advisor to the client, As an accountant, one of our challenges is that we have to look with a skeptical eye at our own clients to make sure things really are what they appear to be. That's one of the biggest challenges. As a firm and as an industry, the accounting profession, uh, and my firm is no different from other firms in the fact that there have been uh, proliferation of the size of firms in the country. And with that comes a responsibility of renewing the partner group, that in many firms, the founding partners and some of the senior partners make up a large portion of the partner pool. Uh, 
And so the challenge for all of us is mentoring younger staff and bringing along new professionals to fill those pipelines. And that's very difficult. Many firms are finding that, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent of their partner groups are, let's say, 55 years old and over. And in order for those firms to survive, they're going to have to replace that partner pool. And it's not just replacing somebody who you call a partner. It's someone who, who needs to act like a partner and provide the kind of services that your firm requires you to provide. And that takes a lot of training, a lot of mentoring, and a lot of work on the part of those staff people to get up to the partner level. And I think that's one of the biggest issues facing the accounting profession today is where all of that next level or next generation of partners going to come from. Because certainly this past generation, we'll call it the baby boom generation, has been the largest generation of partner-level people in the history of the accounting profession. So we really do have that challenge moving forward. And it takes not only someone who's technically competent, but also someone who fits within the culture to add them to the partnership ranks as well. That's right. It takes a very, very varied skill set to effectively operate at the partner level. And, um, you know, we find people want to learn. And uh, you, you need to be a business generator. So you need, to, you need to understand the technical nature of things, as you said before. You need to be able to communicate and interact with people. You need to be a mentor. You need to be a teacher. You need to, in some ways, be a psychologist because you are a psychologist to your clients. That's how close you become. So it takes um, a varied skill set, if you will, to operate within the partner environment. And not every technically proficient um, professional desires to be a partner as well. That's correct. That's right. Some, some don't want the pressure of doing that. They like the numbers part of the business, and they're very good at it. And we call that backbone, that firms need, uh, not everybody in the world obviously can become a partner, and firms need those type of technical players in their firm, which creates what we call backbone. Uh, it's the service side of the practice that uh, is handled by most of the technical gurus. So if someone would like to learn more about your firm, What's your website? Where would they go to find out more? Yeah, about they you? can go to uh, www.eisneramper.com, and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. So you can find a lot of information about us that way. Could you spell that for us, please? Yes. Um, Eisner Amper is spelled E I S is in Sam, and it's a Nancy E R A M is in Mary, P is in Peter, E R.com. I've enjoyed learning through listening and talking with you today, Gary. Thanks for being prepared and a friend of the program, and welcome to the Executive Forum's community across the country. Thanks very much, Rick. I appreciate being on. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. Bye. Well, I hope, ladies and gentlemen, that you've enjoyed both of the interviews that we were able to conduct here today on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I'd like to thank Ken Wax in Philadelphia, our Renaissance Executive Forum's leader in that community, our producer in the market for bringing these fine guests to the program. 
I'd like to also thank our sponsors because this show is brought to you by Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Commerce National Bank. If you'd like to learn more about Renaissance Executive Forums, then visit their website, www.executiveforums.com. The producer for today's show was Paul Roberts. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Paltis. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our audio engineer is Mike Boyle. And I am your host, Rick Franzi. Until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.